welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome to Great Shot Kid, the Nerd Party podcast that explores the uh, inspirational corners of Star Wars as a fiction. And I am one of your hosts, John Mills. And with me, as always, is Mike Schindler. And uh, we welcome everybody here to this uh, this discussion. We, we've gotten some news in the Star Wars galaxy and uh, we're going to get to that in just a second. But I uh, just wanted to remind everybody that if you want to reach out to the show, you can go to the nerdparty.com slash contact. Look up Great Shot Kid. Find at Join Nerd Party over on Twitter. Use the hashtag Great Shot Kid. Let us know that you're talking about us. You can find the network over on Instagram at The Nerd Party. And on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Nerd Party. Again, using the hashtag Great Shot Kid. So those are all the ways that you can reach the show. But I am actually, if you can't tell, very anxious, Mike, to talk about this news because we focus on inspirational and motivational sides of the creators in the Star Wars galaxy. And we're in a new era and we've had a lot of tumult and shift. But the news broke very recently about Ryan Johnson basically being given the reins for this new era of Star Wars. And I want to get your your take on it, man. What was your initial reaction? Well, it was I, I was really excited because I, I like Ryan Johnson a whole bunch. You know, I like his work on on Breaking Bad and, and all that good stuff. And it seems to indicate that episode eight is very good because I mean this is a production company which has sort of um, made it an annual thing to uh, hire people to make movies and then fire them halfway through making those movies and then hire new people to make movies. And the idea yeah. that someone was able to fi not only finish a movie, but that they were so happy with that finished product that before the movie was released, before you could get the fan reaction to that, that finished product, they turn to him and say, you want to make three more? And he's like, yes. That's pretty cool. You know, I, I well, the thing is, I want to get your reaction as well to a whole other aspect of it because I I spoke about this um with uh Matt Rushing. You know, we're over on aggressive negotiations and everything, and I, I was sitting there, you know, talking to him about it. J.J. Abrams, who's the savior of Star Wars, if you will, and brought back in for Episode Nine. Oh gosh, we got to fix things. Bring J.J. Abrams back in. He's not doing a new trilogy. He's not the new voice of Star Wars. So. Wow, isn't that? I mean, that that's kind of weird, isn't it? W wouldn't you think Abrams would be the guy that they turn to, or is this some sort of tacit admission on their part that they want somebody with a different skill set? I really think it's more of a situation of J.J. Abrams, you know, coming in to make this movie, Episode Seven, reluctantly because of the commitment, you know, that it would require. And, you know, him making it so that he can say that he's the guy who revived Star Wars or whatever. But, you know, that's it. Just a one-time thing, never again. Because, you know, there's other things to do in, in this life and then and make Star Wars movies. And then them going back to him and saying, please, J.J. Abrams, save us. And him saying, okay, fine, just because, you know. And then him doing that. But then... You know, at some point, he's got to say, like, enough's enough, guys. You know, I want to make that that uh, that little 
movie with Leonardo DiCaprio based on that book. I forget what it's about. It's like, I want to do yeah, that, too. you know? Okay, so, uh, all right, fine. I, I, I can buy into that. I, I can get that. But I just recently saw Looper, uh, Ryan Johnson's time travel epic with, uh, I mean, it's not an epic, but, time, you know, his time travel piece with Joseph Gordon-Levitt with uh, questionable makeup and uh, Bruce Willis. And it, it's a really innovative sort of concept. There are some, you know, problems with execution and stuff like that. But I look at Brick and I look at, at Looper and I say, I mean, I, I already know that with The Last Jedi, regardless of my final opinion of it overall, it's going to look great. Like, I, I, I love the way Ryan Johnson directs things, visually speaking, at the very least. And, and, and the thing is, I loved Brick. I was less enthusiastic about Looper. What is it you think that he brings? Like, what what is what is this skill set? Looking, you know, let's say somebody didn't have a positive reaction to this news. What could we say where we would say, no, 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 this is actually a really good development for Star Wars? What what in his previous work indicates to us? Now, granted, Last Jedi, you know, could could be a whole different thing, but what about his previous work? makes you say that this is a good thing, that this is a a positive step for the franchise. If someone came to me and said, I don't know about this. I don't know if this is a good idea. I think what I would say to set their mind at ease would be watch Breaking Bad, you know? I mm. mean... <laughs> okay. okay. It's, I mean, you know, Ozymandias. I mean, there, boom, right? I mean... yeah. And I mean that that's something which he only directed, you know, he didn't write it. So there's that side to it and I have to say not super impressed with Brick, not super impressed with Looper. You know, I think if anything was wrong with Looper, it was the fact that it was built on a premise that didn't really make any sense, you know. And, and I mean, I understand I, yeah, that time travel is a thing. I understand that you can, you know, rip apart Back to the Future and, and s- explain why that doesn't work. But I think the problem with it is that it's blatantly obvious while you're watching it that it doesn't make any sense, you know? I mean, you can forgive things and say, well, why did why don't they just do this? Oh, well, because then you wouldn't have a movie. And it's like, well then maybe you don't have a movie, you know? Like, I, well, I I liked the story, you know, I liked the character interactions, I liked, you know, sort of like the the moral quandaries and all that good stuff, but I, I think that that movie is really plagued by the fact that the premise is not sound. Like, the mechanics of the plot do not work at all. See, I... I it, it, and that's not me, something. I, I mean, I, and just, just to, just to, whatever. That is yeah. not something that usually bothers me. Like, I'm not the guy sitting there picking apart Back to the Future and saying, like, why is he disappearing? Even though the thing, because it's, you know, I, I'm. That's not. That's not my thing. But with this, I mean, like, they have a whole sequence at the beginning with Paul Dano where they're like showing how this works, and yet the whole time you're thinking, like, but then if that, then how did he? This, wait, no, wait, no, this doesn't make any sense at all. The, the, well, my problem with the Paul Dano thing is it's, it's somewhat irrelevant. It, it, doesn't, well, it, it doesn't add anything to the tension or the, the forward progress of the story. And well, my problem with Looper isn't the mechanics of the time track. Like, I, I don't care about the, like, 
it's time travel and this is how it works. Okay, fine. I'll I'll buy into any way you want to sell it to me because I consider it all a bunch of hogwash. My problem is that the motivation for and we're getting into spoiler territory here if you haven't seen Looper, so you know, usual caveats and everything like that. But the motivation of the character who is supposedly going to grow up to become the person to wipe these loopers out, who's working to end the loopers. Great motivation for why, but when they demonstrate, when they go the extra mile to add in this other crazy thing that isn't necessary at all, really, this whole TK thing, like you sit there and you're like, well, no, that doesn't make any sense at all why he his motivations don't make sense when he gets older like it doesn't that's what doesn't that's what breaks about it it's for me it's the mechanics whatever it's the motivation of the character doesn't make sense uh in the context of the story i mean yeah i guess i guess that's true too i mean i i think by that point i was just kind of like wait what what's going on and and i, I mean I, I guess i'm okay with sort of taking like a weird like almost like supernatural turn like halfway through the movie like okay you know that's fine if we're gonna do this we're gonna do this i'd like to see them do that in something like brick just for you know i mean you might as well what i mean you know but um yeah no i mean i i just i don't know i i enjoyed the movie but the whole time i just sat there thinking like but this doesn't make any sense it just doesn't and and that's a problem. Yeah. That's definitely a problem. And um, I don't know. Like, I haven't seen uh, his other movie, you know. So I guess I'm putting all of my eggs in the Breaking Bad basket. But, I mean, it's a pretty stable basket, you know, to put your eggs in. <laughs> I don't know. It is. It is. And I, I do think that um, given the fact that uh, Abrams and Johnson are the only ones that they've ever let finish a film... You know, that that and I think that in and of itself is what I would say. I, and I know how dismissive that sounds and everything. But in all honesty, you know, we spend all of this time looking at the works of directors. And we even had this whole thing where we we had to compare Ron Howard's approach to comedy to Miller and Lord's approach to comedy. And what we could glean from that, because and, and now we found out that Ron Howard's basically reshot the whole Han Solo movie as we suspected he was doing because of how long it took. Maybe. but I don't know. I mean, there's conflicting reports. Like uh, um, eh. Candy Newton was like, 90% of the stuff that I shot was with, 90% of the, the stuff that they're using was shot by Lord and Miller. Of me. That's what she said. I, 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 I would, uh, I, I'm surprised Disney didn't tamp that one down really fast because that's not going to help them with their dispute about who gets the director credit. Uh, I guess unless she's only got like five minutes in the movies, ninety percent of my five minutes was shot by Miller and Lord. Yeah, eh, okay, yeah. fine, great. We, we, yeah, like is she in the full, you know, hour and forty nine minutes that it's going to be? Who knows? Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, I, I, I would say to anybody who's having that that trepidation, uh, I would simply say that at the very least they've locked into a somewhat singular vision for a creator. And I think that Star Wars, I know there are plenty of people who disagree with me, but I think that Star Wars works best when you have a singular vision. Um, Ahmed Best actually just said that recently where he, he was talking, he was comparing working with George Lucas to the way Disney would work. And he said, you know, love it or hate it, at the very least you knew that 
George Lucas was making decisions because they were his artistic decisions and this was what he was going to do as opposed to trying to please shareholders or, you know, reach across marketing aisles or anything like that. And I think that committing to one person to be a visionary, as it were, behind the scenes, they'll still have a story group. They'll still have, you know, studio input and stuff like that. But obviously he is able to work well enough within that structure and be George Lucas Jr. that, you know, like I'm glad to see them commit to a brain, like a single brain behind it above all else. Yeah, I mean, he's really kind of like their James Gunn. You know, you, you look at, like, Marvel, yeah. and you do have situations where, you know, Joss Whedon comes in for Avengers 2, and they throw so many ideas at him that he's basically like, this isn't the movie I was trying to make. And you've got other situations like Edgar Wright, where, by all accounts, you know, mm-hmm. what he wanted to do was amazing, but it wasn't what Marvel wanted to do, you know, so they bring in a replacement director who knocks it out of the park, you know, Peyton Reed, he's awesome. Yeah, but he did a good job. You know, at while all of this is going on at the same studio in the same continuity, you have James Gunn who's just kind of off to the side and whatever he's doing, he's working basically by himself and it completely meshes with what Marvel wants to do. And it's like a perfect sort of union between studio and, you know, artist and they're he's able to create what he wants to create because he's creating what they want, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when all of this stuff was happening with, you know, all these other directors getting fired and everything, you know, people would ask Ryan Johnson, you know, that sort of thing. And his standard response was kind of like, I haven't had any problems. They've let me do exactly what I want to do. This has been, you know, a great experience for me. I would direct another one in a heartbeat which is why everyone was like, well, then how come he's not doing episode three? It's like, oh, because he's busy directing a different one in this particular heartbeat. So, you know, I mean, a lot of this stuff is kind of like making sense. But, you know, I mean, James Gunn pretty much says the same stuff about Marvel. So I see a lot of parallels there. You know, it's possible that it's just this is a good fit. You know, what he sees as... What he sees Star Wars being is the same thing that Lucasfilm sees Star Wars being. So, you know, that's cool. Do you, do you think this puts even more pressure on The Last Jedi? Do you think this makes it so that... Because if the, if the, whoever does not like The Last Jedi, this is their divorce paper for Star Wars. This is, this is the end of the relationship for them yeah. in a lot of ways. Don't you think? I, I guess I could see that, you know? Um, and, and I think uh, that shows... Disney's confidence in it. There's also like a weird thing that happens. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but like whenever a filmmaker or an actor is like about to have a movie come out, like maybe like a week before, there's some sort mm-hmm. of big splash about what their next movie is going to be. And it's like you yeah. know that that's been planned for a while, but I almost feel like there's some sort of contract negotiation whatever going on which is maybe similar to a baseball player who's going to sign that extension before he blows out his knee or something like that (laughs) you know where it's like i want to get this in so that i'm protected for the future right like if they say that i'm directing a new trilogy now 
then if Last Jedi somehow, you know, bombs or if everyone hates it, it's kind of like too yeah. late. You already signed me up. You know what I mean? I, you know, it might be too early for speculation, but I, I got to ask you, where do you think they say we're going to go to places we've never explored before? How do you take that? Like lo- looking at his his penchant for his particular brand of creativity. Where, what do you how do you interpret that? How, how would you interpret where he's going to go? I have got to think that especially given all the criticism that Star Wars has faced for, you know, sort of like basing everything on nostalgia and for going backwards instead of going forwards, you know, or when you're going forwards, make sure that you have all these characters from the first one that was made 40 years ago or whatever. I've got to think that whatever he's going to do is going to take place post episode nine. And maybe... Hmm. It will have characters who are in this trilogy, but I think they will be characters who were created for this trilogy and maybe just side characters. You know, I don't know. I think it'll be really interesting to see who's added to Last Jedi and see who, which of those characters could sustain a trilogy. I mean, you got to figure it's got to have Jedi in it, right? Because it's Star Wars and apparently we're incapable of making a Star Wars movie without a lightsaber. So... Dude, you got Han Solo coming up. Yeah. There's absolutely no legitimate reason for a Jedi to be in the Han Solo movie. Okay. None. I agree with you. None whatsoever. I agree with you. Let's see if there's one in there. (laughs) Oh, like a run-in with Vader. There's no legitimate reason for a Jedi to be in Rebels. It's got two of them. No, there's a legitimate... That, yes, there is. Uh, we could argue that. Too. There's a totally legitimate reason. I mean, okay, Kanan I'm just saying. Totally makes sense. For, you know, a universe which is supposed to have, you know, only two, a master and an apprentice or whatever, there's a whole lot of Jedi in that in that freaking universe. Well, you know what I mean? There's some There's a whole lot of people running around there who nobody knew about. You know what I mean? There, there. It's a big gal. The the emperor. You know what? This, they never say this in the in the films, but there is, in fact, in the novelization, at the very least, that the empire was a thousand thousand worlds. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's bound to be somebody who slipped through the net with uh, with Order sixty six. And Obi Wan says helped the empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights, meaning Vader wasn't the only one finding them and killing them. That there were, you know, there were other agents going out there and and stuff like that. I mean, come on, man. That's, you know, it's like Clone Wars. You know, there's wiggle room. There's always wiggle room with these sorts of things. I mean, I think, Johnson, I I hear you with, with the criticism about, oh, they're going back for nostalgia and everything. But I think an even bigger criticism from the fans that might be in my camp is, what the hell happened between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, man? Like... I, seriously, one of the one of the biggest rocks I could hurl at the Force Awakens is, you know, is the fact that they're like, oh hey, all that stuff at the end of Return of the Jedi. No, not really. Empire and Rebels are still their thing, doing stuff. And it's like, eh, how did we get back here? No, I, how did how did that happen? I definitely see what you're saying, and I I, but I don't think that what Ryan Johnson is going to be doing. I don't think he signed up to be a gap filler. You know, he wants to create his own thing. He wants to distance himself from everything so that he can stretch his legs creatively and everything like that. I think what you're talking about 
is perfect fodder for a standalone movie, which maybe will come out in between his trilogy or whatever. <sighs> or a TV series. Or a TV series. Hey, we're getting one of those, yeah. right? Yeah, that would so depress me, though, if they didn't just... Because I mean, Lucas had 50 scripts sitting there for... That you know, set between episode three and episode four, we can just bring those out and just hey, let's have a good old time with this, man. Especially with, Why with not? Ron Moore involved, right? Sure. What does that mean? Sure. sure. Like, oh, we don't want it to be too good. Better, better, <laughs> better. Cut out the Ron Moore. I scripts. want it to be. I want it to be first two seasons of Battlestar Galactica, <sighs> not last two seasons of Battlestar Galactica. What? Okay, I'm not going to badmouth any seasons of Battlestar Galactica, but like season three and season no. four of Battlestar Galactica no. are amazing. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, season three has its upshots, ha- ha- has its moments, such as when they finally got off Mud Planet and they had that great sequence of you know the Galactica coming down like a the fiery angel and the ships all shooting out it's like yes and the bagpipes are going and that's fantastic and then we're back on track and then all of a sudden everything goes wrong again with all along the watchtower and it's just no 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 I can't deal with this I can't deal with Oh yes this. you totally you can totally uh, deal with this when all search along your, the watchtower is introduced I mean, that is the single greatest moment in television history maybe in world history statement. i'm not sure you know because i i'm not I, I will... familiar with like the 1700s but yeah <laughs> i will say that my reaction to uh that all along the watchtower moment at the end of season three of battlestar galactica was like uh, my cousin's legendary reaction to the revelation of planet Zeist in Highlander 2 where my brother related to me because I saw a different showing where my cousin Rob was sitting there and my brother said that it was like planet Zeist and my cousin Rob goes oh and then his eye furrows and he goes oh that was my reaction to all along the watchtower it's just let me, let me. You took Colonel Ty away from me, man. Let me, let me, I would have lived you, with me, anything but that. Let me. Let me tell you my reaction to uh, all along the Watchtower. Okay, here's here's a, okay. a dramatic reenactment of me seeing it as it aired live <laughs> on the Sci-Fi Channel. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Are they doing this for real? Oh my god! No, are you kidding me? You're kidding me! No! Oh my god! 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 But that was Earth, and the thing, and the thing, and the oh my god, Melissa, Melissa, what did you see? Did you see? You you don't watch the show? Oh oh oh! Who can I call? Who can I call? Max, Max. Oh wait, he's not gonna watch it until tomorrow. Well, I work with him tomorrow. I work with him tomorrow. Okay. Oh my god, what just happened? Who can I talk to? Who can I talk to? When is the next episode? air in over a year oh my god oh my god oh my god and then it just went like that until the season four premiere uh happened <laughs> see the thing is, we had definitely different reactions okay because my whole reaction to season four's premiere was all right let's do this fine <laughs> i've made it this far let's just get this over with uh, we had a party we had everyone come over <laughs> to my house which was known as the chill and uh, we watched it on our big video projector, and we just sat there completely amazed by what we were seeing because it was. Mine the best was more thing like ever. a wake. 
mine was more like awake as I put my memories of those fantastic first two seasons permanently to rest. Awake is a kind of party. Don't be judgmental. Come on. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it would be nuts for them not to. I mean, please, they they basically mined those ideas and scripts already by bringing Saul Guerrero in Rogue One. Well, why not have the TV series set that everybody wants to see the Jedi purge? Everybody's wanted to see the Jedi purge even more than the Clone Wars. They want to see people going around killing Jedi. I mean, I guess to me, the thing is, things have changed in the, the landscape of the universe, you know, since then, right? Like what you're saying makes sense in 2006, but now we're in 2018. Star Wars has been reinvented. Star Wars is a new thing. The prequels, you know, which used to be like, oh, you know, the prequels are somebody's Star Wars, you know, that's true. And now the sequels are somebody's Star Wars. And mm. as a studio, again, who's trying to, you know, sell products and trying to connect with an audience and everything, you're connecting to a younger demographic who the prequels are not there. The prequels are just as old to them as the original trilogy was to the people mm. who were kids when the prequels came out. So, yeah, you know, a, we're moving on to the next thing. And, you know, we're going to take a look at what happened in between, you know, Jedi and Force Awakens because it's much more relevant to what they're doing today. And it's also a way to connect with our generation who grew up with the original mm -hmm. trilogy. And, you know, the prequel trilogy generation is kind of a lost generation, you know? It's it's a it's sort of something which doesn't really exist anymore, and uh, um, they're they're gonna guess. you know, it'll be twenty years from now when you know the 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 next uh, great Ryan Johnson, who you know little Ryan Johnson Jr., who you know is right <laughs> now probably about fifteen years old, you know becomes a hotshot yeah. filmmaker and decides to cash in on the nostalgia of you know her or his childhood. And um, you know, uh, makes wow. That's you know that that's e that's even trippy to think about. That it's going to be somebody who either saw the Force Awakens or is about to see the Last Jedi, and that's the movie that makes them say, "That's what I want to do for a living." So that in twenty years, when I'm soiling myself, no, I shouldn't be that old. <laughs> I shouldn't be soiling myself by then. At least, well, I mean, I could voluntarily, but not in God. I'll be in bad shape if it's only 20 years from now. But 20 years from now, when I'm even crankier, maybe balder? Can I be balder? No. I don't think I can be balder. No. no. I'm about as bald as I'm going to get. Yeah. Oh, well. But, um, you know, in about 20 years, there's going to be somebody who said, oh, yeah, I saw The Force Awakens for the first time, and it's a dream come true that I'm directing, I don't know, the reboot of episode one. Yeah. You could lose oh, your geez. eyebrows just like Darth Vader. And he and he um, soils himself. Yes. So there you go. That does he though? I don't think he I does. Think he does. I think he recycles no. all that stuff. Well, like a still suit, yeah. But I mean, I mean, okay. Look, I know we're dealing with Jedi and Force stuff and fantastical stuff, and he should have died and all of that stuff. But I gotta imagine things are sealed off after burning, cauterized, if you will, so that. We probably have a mechanism in place where on the belt or like if Luke had hit something on the belt, it would have been a much smellier fight on Cloud City 
than if he'd hit him on the shoulder. So we should be thankful that he hit him on the shoulder. Could be. Could be. Yeah. Well, I mean, those gears got to do something. Yeah, it's true. I mean, can you? I mean, the thing is, look at all of the production he had to go to to take his helmet off. Every, right, and he can't see that well on his helmet, so there are hygiene challenges. I remember reading something where they were like talking about some book, you know, some sort of, you know, like one of those like in universe sort of like guides to the whatever. And they were talking about how he basically, you know, exists on like a liquid diet and everything. And yeah. some scientist was trying to come in and say like what that would do to him, him, like in terms of his like digestive tract and stuff. And it sounded like it yeah. wouldn't be too good. Not too much. Uh, I, I can imagine that if the force has kept you alive so that you're trapped in a metal hell after being burned to death and cut into pieces by your best friend. You're probably less concerned about your digestive tract than uh, other people would be. I, I actually postulated at one point that uh, maybe the the thing re- recirculated, so that the breathing that you hear is actually that process exhaling. So, like people standing in front of Vader were in for a very awful time <laughs> because it was just sort of like, and it was a way to just sort of like keep people at a distance and. You know, if he walked into the room, that's why he was like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't come in. Don't come in. I'm sure they could add some, like, scope to the mixture or something like that, (laughs) which would allow for some minty, fresh breath. (laughs) It gives, like, a little little, uh, blast of cologne Mm -hmm. every so, like, oh, yeah, okay. It's like an aromatherapy thing. You can tell what mood he's in by what, ooh, I like this idea. Mm -hmm. That works. Yeah. That works. So Ryan Johnson, if uh, if you want to turn to us for ideas for your new trilogy, obviously we've got them. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the meantime, Mike, if Ryan Johnson wants to reach out to you for uh, wonderful, fresh ideas, where can he find you? Uh, well, he can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K, or he could also uh, find me on um, my website, CommentaryTrackStars.com, where I do a show called Commentary Track Stars, and he can find me on Trek.fm, where I do a show called The Edge, and another show called Stage 9 with you. That's right. We both do Stage 9 over on Trek FM, and you can also find me uh, back here on the network co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations with Matthew Rushing, and you can find me co-hosting a show called Words with Nerds with my pal Craig. And just as a final note before we go, we do know that we got to get back on track with our uh, Splinter of the Minds I read through, but uh, we, we promise you we're going to come back next week and we're going to talk about Chapter 5. Um, in the meantime, thanks for joining us on this journey. Please, by all means, reach out to us. Drop us a review on Apple Podcasts, if you would. And until next time, keep exploring those hyperspace lanes. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.